Good morning, everybody. Boy, what a song to be just. Mm. I'm going to scare some of y'all before I even get started, but I'm going to tell you this. He is worthy. He is worthy. It is good to be back with you. Thank you for your prayers and your support as Tiffany and I celebrated our anniversary, our birthday and Christmas all in one fell swoop. I'm so excited. So, so pardon, pardon me this morning. I'm just so excited about this message. Week before last, we got into Hebrews chapter 7. You'll be there this morning. And we talked about the priest of the order of Melchizedek. How, how here this group of Hebrew believers have those people that are in their ear, ear yayan. Go back to the sacrificial system. Go back to this. No, no, don't. You, you, here, there's always those people who try to, try to thwart the work of Christ. And they're in their ear. And remember how we had spoken uh, in the previous chapters, how, how the writer of Hebrews said, but you, you're faithful. Hang on. Hang on to the truth that you were taught. And he begins to get into the order of Melchizedek, and, and so many people, and so much theology has been wrapped around who Melchizedek is. And we were introduced to Melchizedek, as I told you, in the book of Genesis after Abraham had went to a battle against the kings and rescued Lot, and he gave of his own free will the tithe of Melchizedek, and how Melchizedek was a king and a priest, which according to law, that's not supposed to happen. But Melchizedek's different. And where we discussed this was the work of Melchizedek and how Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek, and as I spoke about this, now we get in to verse 11. And I'm so excited about this because, listen, like I told you before, people, we got to get this. we got to get that the only priest that can save is the high priest, Jesus Christ. Whew. I'm not going to get you to stand up and read because there's so much. I don't want anybody staggering. But what I want to do is go through this book and I'm going to go through different verses with the team back here to explain to you what the writer is saying. And I want you to look at the power of Jesus who alone is to be worthy of praise. Pull up the screen for me if you will. Now, now, after all that we have said, now listen. If perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, why Levitical? Well, most of the laws found in the book of Leviticus, okay? Levitical priesthood, from the basis of it, people received the law. What further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of the law also. For the one concerning those things are spoken belongs to another tribe. You got a hold of this. From which no one has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning the priest. And this is clear still. If another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such not on the basis of a law, a physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. You got to get this. For it is attested of him, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Let's go back to the first slide. You see, the priesthood of the law was a priesthood of the law of Moses. But Christ is a priesthood from Melchizedek of Abraham. Okay? Now this is very important that we get this. Here's the thing. Jesus was not a Levite. Okay? Now, if we remember, and we spoke about this, and I get so excited, so I'm calming down, I promise According to law, your priest had to be from the family of Aaron. 
from the tribe of Levi. Jesus was not a Levite, was he? He's from the tribe of Judah. This is very important because look what it says in the text. He says, Now perfection was through the Levitical priesthood for on the basis of the people received the law. What further need was there for another priest to rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? You see, what he is saying here is going back to Psalms 110 where he says, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, as we spoke before, Melchizedek's priesthood is unending. The thing that is interesting about men is what? They die. And the priesthood would change depending on the priest who they put in. But men are flawed. And as we had spoken before, the priests themselves would have to make atonement for their sins, remember? Because why? They are flawed Men, but God swore an oath that Jesus would be a priest after the order of Melchizedek who has no end, who is and will always be. Now I want to focus on this for a few minutes because this usually sometimes with other denominations gets me in a little bit of trouble. But I want you to hear there, there again, remember as we spoke about, when they would make intercession, the priest would for the people. We still have that going on with some denominations. That they make intercession for the people. Let me tell you something. I said this week before last, but I got to make this clear as we get started. There is no man that can forgive your sins against God. It can't happen. You can sit in seven booths and confess whatever you want to do, do 17 Hail Marys and kick a field goal. But I can promise you, the only one that can forgive your sins is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a hill I'll die on. And it's time that people start preaching the gospel. You see, look what it says. Oh, I should have brought my sleep path. I'm running out of air. <laughs> and it is clear, verse 15, if another rises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, Jesus, who has become such not on the basis of law with physical requirement, but on the power of an indestructible life. Let me tell you what this indestructible life means. Matthew 21 says this. When the morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. You hear that? Those priests were in the line of Aaron who plotted to put him to death. But they didn't succeed because he has the power over death. I want to tell you that Jesus is not a wimp. That poor old Jesus, they grabbed him kicking and screaming and nailed him to the cross. Let me tell you something. Just like Jesus said to Pilate, when Pilate says, do you not know that I have the power to set you free, he said, you have no power that hadn't done been given to you. He laid his life down willfully. And by laying his life down willfully, he paid the price on that cross that he became the great high priest that when he intercedes for man, he's not a flawed intercessor, but he's perfect. The law could not make man perfect. Let me put it to you another way. So what good is the law? We're going to get into this this little week as he talks about weaknesses. Let me tell you something about the law. 
The law is like a mirror. It reveals the dirt. It can't clean it. I want you to remember this. The law reveals the dirt, but it can't clean it. The only one that can clean it is he who has the power of endless life. Because I'm going to tell you something. Those people that are worshipped as men will die. Men will die. The Pope will die. I will die. I have never saved a soul. There's no preacher have ever saved a soul. No teacher, no layman. You have never saved a soul. Only Christ can save souls. We have been given the awesome privilege to share the gospel by means by which you will be saved. We don't have that power. But he says, look, you are a priest forever. Psalms 110. Your priesthood is unending. Brothers and sisters, that ought to give you joy. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because his power over the grave, you are a priesthood of believers who can go to Jesus Christ directly. The Bible tells me, so whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There ain't no man can do that. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. Look what he says. For on one hand, there is a setting aside of former commandment because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Here's the thing. Why was it imperfect again? Because it revealed the dirt. It could not cleanse it. What the law did, listen, for all the legalists that want to get out there about working your way into heaven. I don't care what you do or what you think you may do to work to God. You'll never measure up. The law was a standard by which men could see their imperfection before Almighty God. And no priest could cleanse it because he had to make intercession for his own sin. And it was weak in that sense. Not that it wasn't great that showed us our imperfections, but it was weak in the sense that it couldn't save. we got to get this. It's not what you do that makes you righteous. Every one of you are capable of doing great things. Don't hear me. Some of you are nicer than others. Is that not? Really? I'm not saying that they may have come out wrong, okay? Because somebody goes, Chance, they're all mean. You know, here's the thing it's not about what you do that makes you who you are. And no matter what you try to do to gain that perfection, you don't measure up. I was talking, listen to me. To give an example of this, I was talking while we were on this boat, I figured out, like I told the Sunday school class, that there's only so many places you can go in the ocean. I couldn't run. So I met some interesting people, and yeah, I began to cast judgment in my mind because people dress up in weird things in funny ways and identify themselves as certain things, and I'm sitting here wanting to go, wow. And it's easy for us to do that, but let me tell you something. I want to hit everybody with a reality check. You may not look like that or act like that, but without Christ, we're all like that. You hear me? And Christ is still able to save. My righteousness is but filthy rags. So I didn't want to be around that junk, so I left. Come on, watch, I can't handle this. My nerves are shot. I gotta, I gotta. I'm going to say something. And, and if... Then it's funny, on a side note, I began debating over Revelation with somebody else. I don't know how that works out, but even on a cruise, you know what? God will put people in your path. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. But he says, on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope. How's a better hope? See, the law could not give you hope. Jesus Christ gives you hope because the law is a 
law of works. Jesus Christ is of grace. You see, there's a big difference. Grace, unmerited favor, which means this. You get what you do not deserve on the mercy of God. And it's a free gift. It is a free gift given to those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because I can promise you, you can give as much as you want to give. That's not going to get you into heaven. You can do as much as you want to do. That's not going to draw you closer to Jesus Christ apart from salvation in Him. We work because we love Christ. We do not work to get to Christ. You see the difference? If you are a born again believer, you serve because you love Christ. That's evidence that your body produces fruit of what's here. We work because we love Christ. We do not work to get to Christ. We can't do that. That's the law. There is no hope found in that. That is what he's saying. Why would you want to revert back to that that does not give you hope? When hope is found in Jesus Christ. Look what it says. Brothers and sisters, there was no hope, just condemnation. And he goes to the next slide, please. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right, we are. Okay. And inasmuch as it was with not without an oath, this is a very powerful verse. I'm going to tell you why. Because God said so in Psalms 110. God is always true to his word. Do you hear me? He's faithful in his word. He said, you are forever. You are forever. Which means this, if God said it, you better believe it. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Make sure God said it before you say it. I'm not trying to run a rabbit trail, but there used to be a sign on 85. As you go down the road, it said, don't make me come down there. And it had a little dash that said, God. Let me tell you something. Be careful what you say God says. But I can tell you what he did say. He said he gave an oath and will not change his mind that you are a priest forever. Thank you, Jesus Christ. For they indeed became priests without an oath, but he came, but he with an oath to the one who said, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Not a priest made by fleshly means, but only made by the hands of the living God. I want you to understand this, this priesthood. You see, here's the thing. Jesus has always been and will always be. I told the Sunday school class this morning, listen to me. There is one God. He has three persons and each person is fully God. And let me tell you something. Only Jesus being fully God and fully man can save your soul. And you say, well, Chad, why do people still believe and go to other people to forgive their sins? Because the message of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. That's why. You see, we had a great discussion when we come up to the fact is why people do certain things. You see, every single human being is born with a God-sized hole that only he can fill. But people will try to fill it with many things. And when we try to fill it with things other than the person in the work of Jesus Christ, you will be stand, standing wanting. It will not measure up. He is the only one. Look at what it says. This is beautiful. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of the better. They died. You see, here's the thing. Statistically, one out of, one out of every one person dies. Do you know that? It's going to happen. Why serve someone and worship someone who is not eternal. They died. But Jesus. 
But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Let me tell you something that don't excite you. And you need to get on your knees and repent. And I said it. Because I can tell you, as Isaac Watts once wrote, alas and did that Savior bleed. And in my sovereign die would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I. That which we didn't deserve, God put his son Jesus on the cross and crushed him. That his intercession was not an intercession that was flawed, that would die. But his intercession is one that lives forever. Not only did he intercede, he continues to do so because Christ is forever. A better covenant. But look what it says, verse 23 and 25. Won't you look? But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently, therefore he is able also to save forever. I don't want to explain that to you this morning. The King James will say, I'm saved to the uttermost. I want you to understand the deepness of this. Let me tell you what that means, being saved to the uttermost. Romans 8 tells us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? No. We're saved to the uttermost. There was a song written. Listen to what it says. I could tell of the story of the thousands were fed when he lifted the sick, when he raised up the dead. I could tell others like the blind made to see, but I'd rather tell you what's happened to me. I'm saved to the uttermost. I know that I am. I've been washed by the blood of the precious lamb. Through the Father, through the Son, through the Holy Ghost, I am saved to the uttermost. I'm going to bring you excitement. That that I did not deserve. He gave me by His grace. And the same grace is offered to you who fall on the mercy of God and place your faith and trust in the person and work of Christ. You can be saved. Look at verse 26. Next slide, I'm sorry. Those who draw near to God through Him. Do you hear that? Through Him. Through Him. Through Him. Now, 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 now here's, here's the deal. Through Him. This is very important. You hear me say this. Yes, I'm going to do the Blues Clues redundant thing. I'm going to tell you again. Listen to me. In this life you will have trouble. You will be sick. You will die. You will face death. You will not have enough money always to pay your bills. You may not have enough food. You will have trouble. God has never promised to remove you from every circumstance. What he promised, that he would hold you through them. You draw near to the Lord. I tell people quite often, the joy is not found, as James would say, consider the joy when we go through trials and tribulations. The joy is not found in cancer. The joy is not found in people who have been hurt, who have been wounded, who have been in wrecks, who have been in battle, who have been in accidents. The joy's not found in that. 
I've never met a person that come in the church cutting cartwheels and say, praise God, I'm falling apart. <laughs> what I will say is this. Listen to me very closely. Please. The joy is found in whom you hold to during that situation. That's the joy. Those that draw near God through Him. You can only draw near to God. You hearing this? This is very important. You can only draw near to God through Him. This is the point He's making. The intercessor. Because when man fell in the garden, there was a gap between man and God. But Jesus bridged that gap through the cross. And He's eternal. Since He always lives. Listen. He always lives to make intercession for them. But listen to this. This is another exciting part. For. You hear that word again. What have I always said? When you see the word for or therefore in the Bible, you need to find out what it's there for. Okay? For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, a holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners. Ooh, I got to back up a minute. Let's break this down. For it was fitting. Let me put it to you another way. It wouldn't fit without it fitting. It don't fit without this. A high priest greater than anything or any man. Holy, righteous, blameless. Innocent, have committed no crime. Undefiled. He's not dirty. He's clean. Who has not been marred by the sin of the world. And he's separated. He stood out. Why? Because he wasn't mere man. But he was God. Man. Now listen to me. Undefiled, innocent, holy. I've used this illustration, but I want to use it again to make a point. Listen to me. And I hope that everybody gets this. One of my favorite writers and theologians was Leonard Ravenhill. Many of you might not know who he is. He was a flawed man who loved an unflawed Jesus. And he told the story that he was walking home from the London Tabernacle. He was London Tabernacle, not London Tabernacle. The Tabernacle he had, I'm sorry, in, in England. In London. And he was walking home and this lady, he said she was very poor. Step out and she said, I know you. She said, you're the pastor of the Tabernacle. He said, that is correct. She said, I want you to come in and sit with me a few minutes. He said, he said, I couldn't. He said, as we say in England, it was almost time for tea or supper. He said, it was time for me to go. And I told her. She says, no, you just don't want to come in because I'm poor. I don't have anything. I'm poor. You don't. He said, I'll come in. He said, he walks in this house and this lady had thousands and thousands of books piled in her house. She had hoarded them. She had picked them up at these little dime stores and things and they was just, you could, you could barely hardly walk. And she had read tons of them. She said, I would come to your church, but I can't give any money because I'm poor. And he says, he sat down at the table and there was these dishes that hadn't been washed up for months. They had began to get a film of stuff all over. He said he had a piece of bacon that probably had $50 worth of penicillin on it sitting on the table. Mold. He said, as he was sitting there, the woman said, would you like some coffee? Or you like some, sorry, like some tea? He said, yeah, she says. Do you like sugar? He said, yes, I do. I don't have any. 
Do you like cream? He says, I do. I don't have any of that either. He said, she goes and she reaches into this dirty dish pile and pulls out this cup with slime and everything dripping off of it and set it in front of him. And poured this cup of nasty tea that had been sitting there for who knows how long and it began to lump. And she pushed it toward him. And he said he must have made a face. Kind of drew back from it. She went, drink it! He said immediately, my mind went 2,000 years ago back to the Garden of Gethsemane. When God said, drink it. Let me explain to you what that means. That all the corruption and the foulness and everything that is totally against the holiness and righteousness of God, he became, and he drank the wrath of God for us. You see what he's saying? Why go back to a blemished system when we have the unblemished Christ who drank it? He was separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. Who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people? Look, because he did this once for all when he offered up himself. He drank it. Do you realize that? He drank it. And the wrath of God that was reserved us was poured upon his son. Jesus wasn't scared of some wrong cross. There's saints that have been marching to the crosses singing songs before they had nailed on the streets of Rome. Jesus wept because of the wrath of God. And he drank it for us. But because of that offering up of himself, he became the great high priest. The mediator once and for all that does not have to make intercession for his own sin. That don't tell you to come into this room and go out and say this or say that. But he is the man that can forgive you when you call upon his name. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak. Listen. But the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints a son made perfect forever. Oh, oh, this makes the sacrifice of Christ so blessed and glorious. They dragged the bullocks and they drove the sheep to the altar. They bound the calves with cords, even with cords, to the altar's horn. But not so was it with Christ of God. None did compel him to die. He laid his life down voluntarily, for he had power to lay it down and to take it up again. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He who knew no sin became sin that you and I may live. We got to get this. Have you fell at the mercy of Christ? Have you placed your faith and trust in Him? Listen. I'm not going to stand up here as I often say and promise you your life is going to get smooth the way you see it should be. I'm not going to tell you that everything and every dream you have will be fulfilled. I'm not going to tell you your family will be reconciled. I'm not going to tell you you won't get sick or get sicker. I'm not going to hear and and tell you that if you'll give money to this church, that you'll be multiplied 15,000 times over. I'm going to tell you, if you ever hear me say that, you better beat me out that door with a stick. You hear me? And I'm serious. Health, well, anyway. I'm not going to sit up here and guarantee you that. I'm imperfect. I have my struggles too. 
It is only by Christ I am what I am. I will let you down. You will let me down. We are flawed, but we serve an unflawed Christ. I can promise you this, that if you are born again believer in Him, I don't care what you go through, He will sustain you. See, I believe this with all my heart. And I can promise you this, And as I said yesterday to a person that has left this earth and gone to be with Christ, I said this to the people, and I want you to hear me. I don't know when any of you are going to leave this earth. Don't have a clue. It may be today. It may be today for me. You realize that? Do you think people wake up in the morning other than a few who do think, I mean, do you think people wake up and say, today's today, I'm just going to get hit in the head with a tree. He said, I want you to listen. I'm not trying to be funny. But I was watching a program where at one time where they were saying in London that they were paying money for cadavers. That they'd take random, they'd get people involved and they'd take random people who would walk up the road and have people stand above the window and drop flower pots on their head to kill them. It's happened around the 19, you can look this up, 1900s. Now you think about that. Chad, why do you bring this up? Do you think they had a clue that they were going to go up the road and somebody hit them in the head with a flower pot? Do you think people have a clue that they're going up the street and a tree all of a sudden falls over and hits and crushes their car? That somebody's in perfect health, they get through walking in their house, they have a heart attack? People have cancer? People get things happen to their bodies? People go home and find out somebody has robbed everything they've ever had? And they have no insurance? Do you think that these things don't happen? They do. Because that's the uncertainty of life. But there is certainty found in the person and work of Jesus. That regardless of where you are today circumstantially, Christ is enough. And I'm not going to promise you these things, but I can promise you this, you will die. That's one thing I can promise. It's just a matter of when. And again, I don't know when you're going to leave this earth, but you can know how you leave it. And I want to tell you today, it's not whether you've been baptized. It's not whether a priest did something over you. It's not whether you've repeated a couple of prayers. Look, everybody prays. Have you ever flown on an airplane? It's not what you do that saves you. It's what Christ has done that saves you. And the Bible tells us that if we believe, commit to Him, place our faith and trust in Him, repent of our sins. What does repent mean? Let me tell you. It doesn't feel sorry, mean feel sorry for what you've done. It means changing directions. That I was going this way and now I'm going this way. Because I'm going to tell you, your addictions, your problems, your lust, your hate, your bitterness, your aggravation, your sinful desires, you're not going to change. You're not going to change it on your own. You can't. You don't have the power to do that. Christ does. And when you are born again in Jesus Christ, he will give you a new nature. And that new nature is evidence of your salvation. Listen to me. It's not what you do. It's what Christ has done in you. And you change what you do. I say this a lot of times to many people. My grandpa used to have a saying. When you get saved, you want to change. The things I didn't want to do, I want to do now. And the things I want to do, I don't want to do. Why? Because Christ changed me. And I ask you today, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, have you repented of your sins? Are you holding fast, unswerving to the faith that you possess because he that promised is faithful? Do you believe? 
And I always say this, and listen to me, believing in Jesus is not believing that He exists. A lot of people believe He exists. It's not believing that Jesus, it's believing in Jesus. Committing to Him. Holding to Him in everything that He is and says He was and is and will be. Do you believe that today? You may say, Chad, you don't know what I've done. You are correct. But the book of Hebrews just told me that Christ is able. He is able to save. The Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon his name, you call upon his name in faith and repentance, he will save you. And I promise you, he will sustain you. You see, here's my thing. I've often said, my job is not to fill these seats with people. Now, some may agree, some may disagree. Remember, a successful church is not based on its seating capacity. It's based on its sending capacity. I didn't make that up. I got it from somebody else, but it's true. That's not Chadism. But I'm regurgitating what a person said, and I agree 100%. Filling these people and filling this place with people, I can't guarantee you that anybody's going to be saved. My job is to the best of my ability to preach the Word of God that these people are filled with Christ. Which means that when we are filled with Christ and we have been transformed by Him, that we share that with somebody else. And people see the love of Christ in us. Because I can promise you, my job is not to be popular. A lot of times you can see that's quite opposite. But I will tell you this. I serve an audience of one. And the chips fall where he lets them fall. Because we must be faithful, brothers and sisters, to share the gospel correctly. And like me, when I have a tendency to look at people and go, unbelievable, remember, the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But it's the power of God to those that are being saved. I want you to understand this. That if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can You call upon his name in faith. You throw yourself at the mercy of Jesus. And I promise he'll give it to you. If you're a Christian here today, listen to me. And I know we usually do this when praying, but I want everybody looking at me. Listen to me. If you're a Christian here today, if somebody came up to you and said, I've been watching you, what would they say? If you were taken to court today and accused of being a Christian, Would there be enough evidence to convict you? Brothers and sisters, the time is now. I am not a perfect person by no means. I don't want you to think Chad goes out there with halos and wings floating. That's another thing people make up. It's another story. But anyway, well, listen. But our testimonies are valuable, people. Listen. For your testimony can take years to build and only a couple of seconds to destroy. And if you're a born-again believer today, do people see that? Let me tell you this. Listen to me. God sees what you do in private, trust me. He knows your heart. He knows your name. And brothers and sisters, the reason I say this is this. Not only do we meet to glorify and praise the name of the living God, we grow together as a church to hold one another accountable. You see, the Bible tells us to confess our faults one to another. I don't mean to go tell Roy, so he's going to tell Ray to tell Fred to tell Art. You know, look, it don't work that way. But that's the reason we come together. We have a high priest that has forgiven us and will save us and has saved those who are born again believers. We need each other as saints to hold one another accountable and point one another toward the work of Christ and the words of Christ. We need one another. We need that accountability. We need the worship. 
We need Christ. And I pray today, listen, if you're a born again believer in Jesus Christ, and yeah, I'm talking to those who claim to be believers, listen to me. There's a world outside those doors that need to hear that Jesus saves. And I pray every one of you have this thought. And this rides forever in the portals of your heart. If anyone goes to hell, they should be tripping over you on the way. Do you have that desire? As an atheist once said, if I really believe there's a Christ and believe there's a heaven, and I believe he was the only way, how much would I have to hate somebody not to share that? An atheist said that. Brothers and sisters, we want to see you grow in Christ. And we want to see you not be all that you desire to be, but that all Christ desires you to be. Listen, if you're not a born-again believer in Christ, talk to one of us. I promise you we'd love to share the gospel with you. You can be changed. Not by anything that we've done, but by everything Christ has done. So I want you to think about this as we all close our head or close our eyes and bow our heads. If you were standing before Christ right now and he said, why should I let you in heaven? What would you tell him? Do you know? You see, if I could give a testimony just for a few moments. I grew up in church. I knew all the right answers. I had a grandfather that loved the Lord, and they was somebody, and I showed you his Bible, where he burned it up from cover to cover. But being around him, being around the words, being around everything didn't make me holy. It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit where I turned to Him in faith and repentance that I became righteous in the face of God. You can do all churchy things and not be saved. But I can promise you this. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what things you think you have done in your life, my Jesus is able to save. You call upon His name and He will save you. I pray today, listen, and why I'm so excited is because I know I can face tomorrow. Because who holds tomorrow? And I want you to have that too. I want you to know that if today is your last day here on this earth, this is going to be your first in the presence of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that. My heart breaks. There is no greater name than the name of Jesus and no other name by which men will be saved. I promise you, that no matter what this life throws at you, Christ is able to sustain you through it. And I pray that you're right with Him. And again, I'm praying that you develop a fire in you if you are saved to share, the Christ, share Christ with others. You pray. You seek His face and His Word. You desire to tell others about Christ. You desire to help hold one another accountable. You desire to serve, not for your glory, not for the benefit of the church, but for the glory of God. And as I've said many times, this is my desire for you, just like for me, that when you die, that when you die, your last day on this earth, 
I have said, I want my epitaph to say he was a cross-eyed rock and roll Christian. That his eyes were on the cross. His foot was on the rock. And his name is on the roll. Brothers and sisters, I pray that you have the same. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you for the grave, your grace and mercy. Lord, we thank you that you are worthy to take the scroll. We thank you for the power of the cross. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship here today and proclaim your name. Lord, we pray today that lives would be changed by the message of the cross. Lord, we pray that this church, your people, would never be one to focus on buildings, but to focus on your glory. And Lord, whether we have 10 people here or 10,000, may they serve you diligently. God, let us all learn that Shepherds don't reproduce sheep. Sheep reproduce sheep. And every one of us that are born again believers have the urgency, that we have the urgency, that we see the need to continually share the good news of Jesus. And Lord, I will say this and I stand firm. If one person is touched by the gospel, one person It's worth it. But we pray for one, we pray for many. And Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in all things and all God's people said, stand and worship with us, please. Our closing song is a hymn written in the 1800s that we've all sung, if, if not a hundred times, maybe several hundred times. My hope is built on nothing less um, this is this is nothing short of a declaration um, in response to the message we just heard. Um, is our hope built on nothing less than Christ?